0: Welcome everyone to the aggregators and brands show. This is hi, uh, your host together with my co-host, you know, hi, uh, you know Omar. And today we have an, a great guest. You know, like last time we had um, an Amazon seller. It was so fascinating conversation, and we wanted to Definitely. continue by inviting more um, Amazon sellers who who are owning brands or a brand and who are going through this journey. Uh, So we have Manu. Uh, Manu, I mean, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, guys. Pleasure to be with you. Pleasure
0: to have you, really. So tell us a bit about yourself, Manu. Like, how did you end up like with, uh, you know, like owning an Amazon brand? I'm sure you are doing a lot of other things. Uh, We want to learn uh, more about you as a first step. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So my path is, I think, a bit unusual from uh, the typical Amazon brand owner. Um, and if it's okay, I'm going to go back about ten years. So <laughs> okay, back in back in 2010, uh, I was a private equity investor in Europe, uh, investing in buy and build uh, strategies, rollouts, etc., and. At that point, uh, I realized that no one had done a buy and build strategy in e-commerce. Keep in mind, that was the wild west of e-commerce, basically, 2010. Yes, definitely. Um so, so I partnered up uh, with this friend of mine uh, from business school, and we basically put together a presentation where we uh, said to investors, here's something no one's done yet. Right. It's been done in other industries, but no one's gone and acquired and consolidated uh, niche e-commerce companies. So that's what we did. So we raised capital and um, founded a company that was called Vertana. And what Vertana did was essentially version 1.0 of what aggregators are now doing. So Amazon back then. Ten years back. 10 years back, you know, we were essentially, uh, so I was the co-founder and and CEO of Vertana, and we were the only ones uh, executing the strategy in the space. Uh, It wasn't Amazon, it was direct to consumer, but essentially we were the only buyers, you know, institutional corporate buyers for these small brands. Um, And if we were competing for anything, it was a you know, an individual that was getting a small business administration loan. um, And and that was it. So we had really, our pick of what we wanted to buy and and work out that model. Uh, So we did that exited in 2018. uh, Just when Thrasio was really getting started in one on one commerce. Uh, And, and since then, I've been an investor in e-commerce an operator and also happen to be invested and very involved in a private label brand in the arts and craft category uh, on amazon and spend quite a bit of my my time today advising private equity funds investors and aggregators on this current environment and where things are going uh, moving forward
2: wow i mean that's that's uh that's amazing already But you said that it's a craft and arts uh um label and you started this in 2018 correct
1: no actually the brand was launched in 2020 okay um in the okay. summer of 2020 about three months okay. after COVID started
2: okay very uh, that's that's actually my point now you know because you you must have seen like in these three months how what can i do how can i make Uh, uh, money out of this without selling masks, correct?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so I think the reason why I decided to uh, launch that brand was because of the experience we had had with Vertana, right? So uh, for many years we had acquired non-Amazon companies we had worked out that model we managed many brands had our own fulfillment network across the country and so i learned from experience the complexity of the roll-up model uh, and what works and what doesn't work okay in the process of doing that amazon was changing amazon was becoming the amazon marketplace was changing very rapidly so when earlier we were as vertana passing on all Amazon brands that were offered to us by e-commerce brokers, who, by the way, right now are making a killing, right? Back in the day, definitely, they weren't doing that much business, you know, when we were buying. So when coming out of that experience, I obviously realized that Amazon really was the place to be. The structure had changed. Um, and so, and that was the driving force, behind launching a brand on amazon um taking sort of the best practices off amazon and then trying to grow within the ecosystem of, of amazon and obviously that's now changing uh, as well right amazon today is not amazon in 2020
2: uh um, sure so. yeah I so should. that's go ahead sorry I, I just wanted to say it's a uh, because it's the perfect timing you know because we all we all i'm sure we all of us were sitting down and thinking like what can we do in these, especially in these three months, where, we, where everything was uncertain. And I think it's amazing you know when when somebody come up with with something which, at the end, proves itself to be. The best, because you know when you sit at home with your kids or alone and you don't have a business to run, I mean you, you, you go to arts or you do something which which like fulfills you, you know, and this is just the perfect thing. You know, that's why I'm, that's why I mentioned this, you know, really good Manu.
0: Absolutely. I think, I think that, you know, it's also very interesting that like Manu and his business partner, you know, they come up with this idea even before anybody else. Well, of exactly. course, sometimes it may not be the right time or etc. but like you, you guys already exited the business. So, which is great um but also you know now like you know what what's the reason or what's the justification for the aggregators to to be to 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 raise the funds from all these private equity firms and their investors so there is a justification having said that you know we are also monitoring that for the last two years we see that more and more money is you know kind of raised i think it reached to 13 billion dollars at this moment you know as we speak and uh you know in the last six months probably 50 percent of that is raised um so what is your view now like what's going on with this aggregator space uh Mm -hmm. do you think they're gonna continue to raise more money also there's a another factor which is all this interest rates raising you know the inflation you know and a lot of other factors as well but what's their strategy do you think they will continue to raise or what's your expectation on the aggregator space
1: yeah i mean you know let's let's go back a step we when when thrasio thrasio was uh, developing uh, their model without any real press covering them, and then all of a sudden, uh, about eighteen months ago, they, they everyone started paying attention. My former business partner and I remember calling him and saying, "Can you believe this? Can you believe how much money is now going into the space?" You know, uh, we were uh, essentially executing the same strategy in a completely different market when it came to investor appetite for e-commerce, and. And so when we saw this developing, um, it was really interesting for me to see how it played out. And obviously, I never expected $13 billion to go into the space so quickly. But I can give you my personal opinion as to why that happens. If you look at uh, most founding teams of aggregators, by and large, they come out of two sectors, either finance space, private equity, or consulting slash uh, operations at big, large e-commerce companies. And they, like we did, see the value in buying and consolidating bas- businesses. So you go to investors and you sell them the story. You say, this should work. Um, now, the dynamic there is The same as the dynamic in private equity as an industry. They're not really, many of them, if not most of them, are not in the business of acquiring and consolidating businesses. They're in the business of fundraising. That's my strong belief in this, because you cannot, you know, they're almost buying companies so that they can justify raising more capital. If you look at their profile, many of them are not qualified to do what they're doing. And so That played out uh, over the last, you know, a little bit over a year, but the last year in particular, right? So uh, a lot of people, a lot of investors came into the space uh, who know that e-commerce is a great space to be in. It's fantastic. That's why we are all in it. Uh, But the model of buying very small businesses, consolidating them and doing that efficiently is extremely complex to execute. So. Now what's going on is, uh, as other guests on your podcast have actually mentioned this, and I agree 100 percent, this is now when the market starts cleaning itself up. I think uh, many of these aggregators will now fail to show results. They already are failing, many of them, and they will not be able to raise capital. And when that happens, then you get a shakeout in the industry, which is very typical in many other industries as well, right? You get new players, some fail, some succeed, and then they get either bought up by the bigger players or they literally have to liquidate and shut down. So it's going to get very ugly for a lot of people. And the ones who have been able to build the model, Thrasio, Berlin, uh, Perch, et cetera, um, they will be able to have their pick, right? And But ultimately, that is the general dynamic of of what is playing out. It's very similar to the investment investment industry in that sense. Private equity funds, private equity investors raise their businesses to raise more funds, right? And so it's a very similar thing. Now, uh, the ones I like the most, without naming specific names, are those who have had operational experience, managing Amazon businesses. Um, It's perfectly fine to just have one founding member who's done that and then uh, build around that person. Um, But ultimately, and I'm happy to get into the complexity of of the model and and what these guys really, I think, need to do uh, to be successful is uh, you need somebody who understands the where the problems will come up. right? And so buying a company is easy. From experience, I can tell you. Anyone with a checkbook can buy a company. Um, Integrating is extremely complex, operating uh, even more. And doing that with this model, you need people who really understand what is important and what is not. You're going to draw balls you got to make sure that you know which balls are okay to drop and which ones are not, right? Um, And and that's the key challenge here. So going forward, to answer your question, um, they're facing, everyone is facing an extremely challenging market um, in general attacking margins from all angles, right? So we all know about supply chain issues, uh, the incredible increase and freight costs coming from Asia. That's one problem. Now we have inflation. Um, I have seen it throughout the chain. We have all seen it. The key question with inflation is two things. Um, One, can you pass on the price right, uh, to consumers? It remains to be seen. And the other one uh, with inflation is, what is your product? Because one of the sectors that benefits in an inflationary environment, very often is the consumer space, right? Your money is worth less as time passes, so people tend to consume more, which is one of the fuels of inflation as well. Unfortunately, having grown up in Argentina, I do I say this from experience. Um, oh yes. But uh, so so there, obviously, the inflationary dynamics are extremely complex. I think the number one thing to keep an eye out for is increases in interest rates. And when that happens, I think a lot of uh, a lot of sellers who have relied on financing, short-term financing, are going to see an additional squeeze there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their capital costs, right? Um, so that that's definitely a key problem. And then, you know, and then you have Amazon squeezing you on the advertising side as well. And it's essentially a big advertising business at this point. The retail side of Amazon—that's all it is, right? And and a partner as well. But it's a partner that you pay to advertise your product and and also to fulfill your product. It's it's really fascinating. Um, and so, the one solution to all of this, I think. Uh, there is that there isn't one it all comes down to one thing that you need to really understand your space your product your your market and and fight it out because things will get better it will happen
0: right um, i mean so, you know, yeah. before going into that the brands uh, and because you're a brand owner Um, let's kind of like, you know, just to sum up on the, on the aggregator space, like, you know, you already mentioned, you know, some great things about the aggregators and uh, their strategy. And one of the things you said is like, it's very complex to bring all these small brands together and consolidate them and uh, run an efficient operation. Um, I certainly, I, I personally, even not sure if like. You know, you bring the small businesses together and you can really make it like a big operation, but it's much more efficient than running the smaller operations. I am not even personally sure, just because now you are a brand owner, you can outsource certain functionality, you can use some software, you can use some virtual assistants, you can end up maybe spending, let's say, I don't know, between five to $10,000 per month and, uh, you know, get the things done let's say for your brand until you reach to maybe, uh, maybe two, $3 million in revenue annually. But the aggregators, what we see is like, typically it's between five to eight people per brand, like they are having right now. So right. five to eight people, half of them, you know, Western Europe, US salaries, right. maybe they are also started now leveraging virtual assistants. I see that like they're hiring everywhere in Mexico, Philippines, uh, pakistan i see that too more like an addition to what they have in the us team so in you know it's it's a much bigger cost so we'll see you know how this unit economics will play yeah
1: know? so that that that's the that's one of the fascinating uh dynamics in executing this model because um when the so Aggregators, let's let's put ourselves in the role of the founding teams uh, of these aggregators. What do they know? Uh, you either know how to invest because you came out of private equity, or you know how to operate a large e-commerce operation. Okay, you came out of Amazon. You you were trained in those processes. All great experiences. Okay, but no one has ever gone out and bought a hundred brands. None of them. Not, no, they haven't done it, right? So the story officially is we cons- we acquire, we consolidate, uh, we gain uh, economies of scale, we share the team that does branding. That sounds great on paper, but what do ha- what does it happen? What happens in practice day to day? Well, what happens is that none of these companies Are really similar to each other. Okay, one example is uh, you sell on Amazon, but you have Shopify website. Another one sells on Amazon and runs on a big commerce D2C. And even if D2C is say 10% of their sales, it's 10% of their sales, right? Uh, They happen to have existing relationships and ways of doing things. So what does everyone want? They want a simple business to buy. All these aggregators say we don't want complexity they're smart enough to know they want to limit that. Uh, you should have standard operating procedures, right? So uh, everyone who gets on a podcast and talks about how to sell your Amazon business. What do they say? Have clean financial standard operating procedures so that these guys can understand how to take over your brand and operate. That's all great. But then you bring it on. And now what do you have? You have it's within an organization whose main goal is really to grow extremely fast. So, what do they do? Well, you don't know what you're going to be buying. You're focusing in, say, three, four verticals, uh, but you really don't know what's going to happen in there. So, I, but I, what do I know? I know I will need a thousand people in my team so that I can execute this strategy that I just raised, you know, a billion dollars for. So I have to go and hire these people ahead of time and train them up so we're in that stage right now right we're in that stage where everyone is building up their teams ahead of getting to scale that's why in part many of them if we can't just say let's look at the reported number for employees and divided by the brands they own many of them are investments ahead of time right Right. And, and that's what's happening but back to my first comment at the beginning, that's why many of these aggregators will, the moment the spigot closes and you can't get any more capital to fund this, because many of them are operating at a cash flow, even though they're profitable at an asset level, they're cash flow negative. When that happens, your house of cards collapses. Mm. And that's when it gets really, really bad. Those who have been able to grow fast. And then stabilize. Uh, that growth is a completely different curve now because now you end up with a lot of things that you bought that now are very. They were maybe big when you bought them when you had five brands and starting out. Those brands may have doubled in size, but they're still very small compared to the portfolio. All right. So now there's another question, which is what all of us know as operators of of um brands which is everyone wants all these aggregators want to buy brands that have very few skews they all say we love the hero and maybe at most 10 20 skews that's it don't give me complexity fair enough great to be able to find something like that the problem is that they're not following their own advice if you think about companies and brands as SKUs themselves. So I may have a portfolio of SKUs. They have a portfolio of companies. If you think about it as being products themselves, now you have aggregators that have a hundred different SKUs and they have exactly that complexity that they would set out to avoid every time they make an acquisition. Don't even get me started about blowing that up into actual SKUs. But when you do that, then you realize they're facing, they would not be bought by somebody else themselves. The aggregator itself would not be attractive to another player because they have, you know, five hero brands. And then they have this very long tail of things that really were acquired in large part to show that they could acquire and raise more capital. No, that's a very
0: interesting thing you mentioned, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, take the uh, aggregator criteria, and uh, if somebody wants to buy that aggregator, even their criteria, they will not be a good fit for their own criteria of buying be. the breads. That's very interesting.
1: so this is this is what happens if I am running uh, if I'm running a good aggregator and you know and it's well known it's spoken about in the industry that other aggregators are trying to combine or they're, you know, they're trying to be bought up and and a couple have already. Um, if I'm looking at your portfolio, I'm just looking at your company as a portfolio of assets of brands and you, the seller will say, well, I want you to buy all my brands. And I'm going to say, no, thank you very much. I'm going to buy these 20 and the rest shut down or sell off on your own, or I don't want to deal with that. Why would I? Right? and Very interesting. Uh, yeah so that's another dynamic there that we will see playing out and then finally i think it's all coming around to direct-to-consumer we all know this the, the aggregators themselves are now talking more and more a year ago they weren't really talking about direct-to-consumer channels now all of them are talking about how important direct-to-consumer is and that's when really the the real complexity happens um because If you want to execute a buy and build strategy, you could not have found an easier place to do it than Amazon FBA, right? Now, that's playing out, it's extremely competitive, and now you are saying, okay, we own brands, where is the growth going to come from? And everyone is talking about direct-to-consumer number one, B2B, sometimes uh, retail brick and mortar all great strategies. But that's the domain of real consumer products companies. That's what they know how to do. That's the complexity that uh, really grows exponentially at that point. And so I think most of the aggregator teams do not have a good appreciation for the complexity of managing a hundred plus, 200 D2C channels and B2B, they were not built for them. It's almost like you now have to build a completely new team just to execute on that. And and it's it's not a choice they make, it's a choice that is made for them because when you're buying a brand on Amazon, it often comes with a D2C channel. So you already have it. And it's just kind of languishing there because no one, is really paying attention to it. Everyone is focused on Amazon now, but you own it. And so, you know, Shopify, everyone loves Shopify. Apps on Shopify sometimes randomly stop syncing. We all know that.
0: I mean, Amazon. (laughs) I mean, I I need to say, you know, we, we developed a different, in Eva. we developed a different type of engineering to deal with Amazon, like how to find, you know, what to do when which inconsistency happens, you know, like, and uh, this is not like, you know, as I'm coming from more, this Oracle SAP background, you know, at least, you know, that two, two two plus two equals four, you need to do something about it. It's more engineering right now. It's like randomly, it may be 3.9, 3.9 or maybe 4.1. So what you're going to do when changes happen. And, uh, and I have the same kind of feeling with, as we started working with Shopify, there was a lot of inconsistencies there. Look, I mean, this was really great on the aggregator side. For the sake of the time, yeah. uh, I uh, think, you know, and, you know, um, Omar, please go ahead uh, if you have any questions. But I would One like more, yeah. to switch to switch to more the brand side, uh, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, uh, what's, you know, now you are a brand owner as well. You are enjoying that kind of a side hustle for you. Besides all the other uh, investments that you are managing, so with your side hustle, like what's your strategy? Like what are you planning to achieve? And uh, and and what's your advice to the to the Amazon sellers? As you are one of them too.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to frame my answer with a little disclaimer, which is we're operating in a space um, That is not as competitive uh, as other areas within Amazon. My advice, generally, is one uh, is it's just one, which is uh, you need to focus always on being uh, on product development, on being ahead of the curve. Uh, I think it's gotten very commoditized. The days of buying something on Alibaba and having it delivered directly to an Amazon warehouse, you can't get really the margins there. And even if you do, it's just not sustainable. People catch on to that very, very quickly. And so what can you do, right? So uh, with my brand in particular, we actually manufacture our own products. That's the way we create um, the, the barrier to entry okay that doesn't mean that it cannot be copied companies reverse engineer cars they can reverse engineer our brand and our product the idea is always to be ahead of the curve first mover advantage really really uh, push uh, the fact that you're an expert in the space now there will be a sector of you also need to know what customers you don't want right you need to know who you're not going after so Make sure you identify this uh, ideal customer that you design products for or purchase products for, and be true to that. Take lessons from it. And if you're going to add new products, make sure that it's an ecosystem within that. So here's an example. um, There are sellers, Chinese sellers who have been um, uh, entering uh, our, our space. And they're going after the easy products that they can uh, that they can copy. Well, I tell you what, we're doing fine. We're competing really nicely against them. Why? Well, because we have a brand story. We have uh, the brand a
2: stories, Exactly.
1: Yeah, and, and what is that brand story? It's not it's not just something we do to sell. It's something we believe in. So in in our brand on our brand we are uh, obsessed with being able to manufacture our products in an environmentally uh, sensitive, conscious way. Okay. And that applies to everything we do. It applies how it's manufactured. It applies to the packaging and also the organizations that we support. So for example, I just signed up the brand to 1% for the Planet. It's a great organization where we commit to, Contributing one percent of our sales uh, to environmental groups and in you know Amazing. other companies like Patagonia are members of this. And for any listeners, um, I would highly recommend you you check them out. We also uh, contribute to arts and craft organizations that support artists. It's important to us. It's being part of that community, right? And so. We know that when somebody is buying something on Amazon, they care about who they're buying from. Just like we care about how we make our products. Now, other people, they just looking for the lowest price. That's great. I'm more than happy to have the competition uh, take them. That's fine. I don't have to be, the brand doesn't have to be uh, the brand for everyone, right? And so, uh, and, and I think you have to be very disciplined about that. Uh, and, and, and not be uh, thrown every single direction, just reacting to what your competition is doing. Be true to what you believe in, the image and vision you have, and obviously adjust as you go. But that's really what's going to make you stay ahead of everyone else. Um, now, obviously, that depends on each market and each dynamic, so you have to understand that really well. Uh, who are you competing against? Uh, What can you do today to be better than the rest? And also do it in a way knowing that in six months, that advantage will probably disappear. So you already have to be thinking about what's the next one, right? How do I keep doing this? This is what most companies do, by the way. I mean, it's not just Amazon. You always have to compete. You always have to think ahead. So a lot of that, I, I think that's the number one thing. And then services, uh, you know, don't get bogged down in things that you don't have to do, right? So for example, your company, the companies you guys run are excellent partners for brands, uh, you know, it's I, I want my team to focus on what they know, what they're experts at. I don't have to reinvent the wheel, nobody has to. If we can rely on partners like you guys, for example, to take care of certain parts of the business that are just their core, but I don't have to be a pricing expert if I can rely on EVA for pricing, um, you know, AI pricing or Omar for the services that you offer, correct? So in Europe. So I think that's also focus, almost like the aggregators and what I advise aggregators and PE funds, focus, 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 leave distractions aside become really good at executing. And that's really what it is.
2: Okay. For For me, this is exactly what I, where I wanted to jump in as well, because you mentioned something, um, for the services as well. And, uh, I'm, I'm jumping back very quickly because this was a point I, I still had in my head, um, of the aggregators, the aggregators, as you mentioned, hiring, hiring, I mentioned it as well, the hiring a lot individuals. Okay. But these individuals afterwards need to work on say, on account and there are six or seven, maybe one project manager on top of that. So in order to make this operation more smooth. And I see the tendencies as well uh, at the moment, they hire agencies actually. So they have seen that it's very difficult. Okay, they can get somebody from Amazon, which they pay hundred tape per year, but what can they have even the 100k they can give it to a team for example mm-hmm. which is taking care of that simple niche what they need to be res what they need to have resolved and they can do this 100 because they do it every day they have the team they have the expertise and they have really the knowledge like uh, with eva guru you you know i, I cannot even count how many uh, employees you need to have in order to uh, run all these all these data and you have this in one tool so there there is no better way the yeah. second thing is what I wanted to mention as well is because we had the eyes on the, uh, on the US all the time, or we still have the eyes on the, U- on the US all the time, because obviously it's the biggest market, is the easiest to go into, that's what people think right now, it's easiest to into. But we know it's not the easiest to go into, because if you do wrong, you're going to lose all of your money. It's not anymore as before. But we have the European Union. The European Union is definitely a place where it's evolving right now, and where it's like the, 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 the shadow from the US but what what any what, what people don't understand is that actually the whole um, over Europe is the same population as the as the United States so there is definitely a lot of money to make it's low hanging fruits and uh, you know most of the people already understood it but what do you think what is the tendency at the moment do you see already a tendency going to the European Union i see it but i just want to uh, want to know your oh, opinion absolutely, about that absolutely and where are we going to go absolutely. from there
1: yeah. It, it, you see it all the time. We see it in our own with my own team. Expanding to Europe is the next uh, big jump for us, right? That's the step, the next big step change. Um, the The challenge, as everyone knows, is the challenge of there's so much to do. What do I do first? Sure. How do I do it? How do you know? So um, Again, being disciplined about executing on your strategy and not get, letting the day-to-day push you one way or the other, uh, things that you haven't planned, is absolutely critical to any business, not just an Amazon Definitely. business. Um, and so what is my team doing? Uh, developing, We're developing products, going into new categories within the space, so leveraging our experience, brand value, uh, and brand recognition, to enter into additional areas but then there's geographic expansion absolutely right and in the obvious place to go as a u.s brand is europe and conversely from europe to the u.s going i mean that's a whole podcast right talking about expanding into yes, europe definitely this um, is the and in europe while it has um it's, it's a similar size as an economic uh, economy It's like in the U.S., if every state in the U.S. spoke a different language and had different cultures, which they do, but this is the challenge, right? So what is expanding to Europe? Uh, Most people tend to go to the U.K. first. Anglo-Saxon system, very natural to do that. But Germany is a huge market. In fact, our products, Amazon has taken our products and already posted them. We sell to Europe. They they translated. We haven't done anything. We're selling in Germany, doing really well there. Okay, well, thank you, Amazon. They didn't do it perfectly, but you know they did it. So, sure. you 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 know it, it's definitely a huge opportunity. It's just logistically, and uh, and you know it, it has its challenges, which is why the European aggregators, their number one selling point to a U.S. brand is to say we'll buy you and then we'll we know how to do europe so you don't have to exact uh, you don't have to uh, bother with that and i agree that's a very attractive proposition some of them are much better at it than others but ultimately uh it makes absolute sense um but yeah it, it is absolutely critical in that sense i think ultimately um you know just briefly, again, on Agri, the, the technology development is absolutely critical for all, right? And that goes into plugging into services like EvaGuru, etc. where um, I don't have to code my own pricing algorithms with my team if I can connect to a service like that, correct? Absolutely. What I do need to have, and this is what we did at Vertana, we developed our own ERP from scratch because nothing that was available commercially at the time, including NetSuite, which most aggregators now use, um, was, uh, could do what we needed it to do. So we had our own development team in Germany, actually doing uh, building our ERP from scratch. And, and we developed a core operating system that really allowed us to scale. And, and, I, and I think anything, and that's what we would do. We would plug in services uh, wherever we could, um, so we didn't have to do it ourselves. Um, and you'll see more of that. So to your point of agencies, et cetera, absolutely, right? Uh, yeah. Can you, why do your own PPC if you can rely on an existing team to do it? It's a core function, make sure they do it right. you got to have a mix. It's not one or the other, right? I think you need to have a mix of both. Definitely. You need to have excellent Definitely. PPC, and also, you can outsource and scale with a partner, and that's the key. You're building a network of partners Diversity, around
2: you. Definitely,
0: yeah, absolutely. My re- my recommendation, by the way, Manu, is like we invite you again, hopefully in a few months, or oh, and definitely. Uh, we, There's so much to talk about, you know. Exactly, <laughs> oh. especially the 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 European expansion. I think that's a very that's another good area. Point. Yeah, I mean, it and it happens like the European brands to the US and the US brands to the Europe. Uh, I think that's um, a very in, interesting, important subject, like how to expand your business and how to keep your uh, complexity and the cost at the minimum and still do it. You know, how, how this can be done with right. the lowest complexity yeah. and cost. I think that might be a very interesting topic, um, but you know, um, Thank you very much, Manu, you know, for joining our podcast. Thank you, Manu. I think we got some great insights, you yeah. know, with your experience. It's great A lot of to value. hear that. Thanks so much. <laughs> you were the first, you know, like, uh, you know, becoming the aggregator on the D2C side. Uh, who knows, maybe, you know, you'll, you know, become one <laughs> in, the, in the future <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, what is very interesting is at the end is $13 billion that is raised is used in some way to grow the Amazon community, whether most of the money always goes to Amazon, as they are the owner of the casino, they are the winners. They provide a
1: really valuable system.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, but then, I mean, all the, you know, PPC guys, agencies, uh, software companies like us, I mean, everybody benefits from that. yeah, yeah, Everybody's like, you know, just the money is for the Amazon community so it's good you know like <laughs> we really we really like the idea you know if there is another seven eight billion coming it's good you know it's good too you know we, yeah, we always love always that you. Too. more money is always better than less money Yeah. so thank you thank you mana, for joining our thank company. you so much manu
1: thank you for having me guys really enjoyed it thank you